Thank you for listening to the Iffy Market Podcast. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy. Carla Jo Helms is also with us. Hi, guys. And today we'll be talking about simplifying demand generation with Jack Kosakowski. Jack has a background in sales, including managing sales teams at Acton and is now the CEO of Creation Agency, uh, helping fast-growing software-as-a-service companies innovate the way they market and sell. Jack has a passion for turning social conversations into sales conversations and helping educate up-and-coming sales and marketing professionals on the value of using social media for business growth. We had a couple tongue twisters in there for me. Jack, uh, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. This will be fun. Excellent. So we're going to be talking about demand generation and specifically simplifying demand generation. Um, before we jump into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got where you're at? Yeah, so I'm actually a sales guy that's converted to marketing. So I would say I kind of had my Bruce Caitlin Jenner moment um, about halfway through my career. Um, so I actually um, was in sales for the first 80% of my career. And then now I've been <clears throat> running the, uh, the U.S. division of a global agency for the last three and a half, almost four years now. Crazy. So I uh, am a sales guy that thinks in a you know, in marketing terms or a marketing person who thinks in sales terms, which has kind of helped benefit me, um, you know, running an agency really. Yeah, that's great. I mean, everybody says sales and marketing need to work together more. And I've found, I feel like the best marketers come from sales. Having that sales background really helps marketers be effective, especially in today's age of all the MarTechs and all the kind of accountabilities for marketing. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, I think it just gives you a whole different perspective on, Actual get, actually getting outcomes versus, you know, some of the fluff that happens in marketing. Right. You don't get the uh, Dilbert marketing department anymore. Exactly. Yep. That's right. So I have a question for you. So you had your epiphany. You said your, your Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner moment, right? But you had your epiphany. <laughs> what was it? Um, I'll tell you, it was um, when I was at Acton Software and I told my regionals or I told my vice president of sales at the time that I was you know, sick of cold calling and I was sick of looking around the room and, you know, dialing for dollars and doing the same thing that everybody else was doing and getting very little results. So I said, I'm going to figure out how to use this social thing to sell at the time, you know, LinkedIn was pretty new. And um, he said, okay, well, I don't believe you can do it. So I'll give you um, one quarter to hit your number. And if you can't, you'll go back to doing the way things we say you should do it. So I made a hell over high water, I was going to hit my number. And um, so I started to use social media. And then um, I had an epiphany. The, the major epiphany came one day when I was selling marketing automation software, trying to sell it to a CMO. And he said, Jack, you're one hell of a sales guy, but you know nothing about marketing. I'm like, whoa, that's a slap in the face. But he was like, completely right. So I said, okay, now I'm going to flip gears. And instead of using social to sell, I'm actually going to build my personal brand and see what happens because I'm going to use it as a way to understand how marketing works. But, you know, I'm going to use myself as the brand and see what happens. And then next thing I know, I was getting, you know, 3x more engagement than, you know, a company that raised $50 million and had a full marketing team um, by writing my own content and, you know, using content and engagement and, you know, online, st online activities to create sales conversations. And then I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Imag imagine if, you know, we could, I could take this to brands and show them that, how much more effective it is that nobody actually gives a shit about your brand anymore. You want to do business with people. 
And when you can figure out how to turn your people into your brand, then you start to win. And so that's like where this all came from. And you actually put your own personal brand at risk, which probably made you have a lot of more judgment and think about things as you were doing it, huh? When yeah, you were figuring up, it out. They were up my ass the whole time, you know, saying, what, you know, you get, you, you can't say this, you can't, you know, they just were scared the whole time when it started to get bigger and bigger. And then it actually created conflict, which was, you know, I think the marketing team was wondering, well, damn, Jack's doing better than we are. At, <laughs> look bad, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then, it, you know, and I left Acton on great terms, but um, it was definitely, you know, they were definitely forces against me as I started to grow, even though I was, you know, crushed my numbers, it didn't matter. Big companies always have some politics, so I'm going to go full infomercial here and say it sounds like what you're talking about is great when somebody can do it, but the conversation today is simplifying demand generation, and what you're talking about doing doesn't seem scalable in that you're not going to be able to train everybody in your company necessarily to have the skills that you developed. You know, you need to be able to clone your people in a system to, to really scale, so and then this is where I come in saying, I want you to tell us about creation agency, what you guys do over there, what your company does, kind of your day-to-day -day at it. I get the feeling it's probably helping companies manage that particular aspect. Yeah, because, you know, we, we had talked earlier and you were going to dive into this, the difference between demand generation and lead generation. And most agencies are lead generation. But the problem is you can't, in, in the world that we live in, you can't just be lead generation because lead generation only happens when you have really strong demand generation marketing as a whole. So, you know, what are you doing to get, I always say is, you know, you, you have to, you have to build brand fame before you can you know, build brand demand. I mean, fame comes before demand and most companies. Is that what you focus on is demand generation? Um, so, so I'd say demand generation, you know, the, the ultimate goal is always leads, right? New leads that convert to, to sales. But I think a lot of times we're taking, we're working with companies that just you know, they need, they need people to know who the hell they are, right? So they have to invest in the brand awareness aspect, which is really hard for them to comprehend. But us as an agency, we say, listen, if nobody knows who you are, uh, lead generation is not going to, it's just going to be a big waste of time and none of us are going to be successful. So you have to trust in the process that the first three months, we're going to do everything we can to make you, to make you famous, right? I would say to, to, to create so much value from your brand that you become famous. How do you do that, Jack? <laughs> well, you know, the, the most simple thing is you create content and you share it, right? I mean, you'd be amazed how many companies invest millions of dollars in content and they have no strategy to amplify it, right? So how do you do that? Well, one is that you, you know, if we go to a company that, let's just say they've already got a lot of content, is to figure out, okay, well, let's, let's figure out how we actually get this content out. I mean, how do we get people that are your customers to share this content, to share this video, to share this? How do we get people to talk about you and to share all the amazing things that you have going on, right? And when I say that, I'm not saying that from a, oh, we raised money or we did this, right? That stuff's great, and, you know, all the cool things that are self-serving about your company. But what I'm saying is if you're creating content that's got real value personally and professionally for people, um, why are your employees, what, you've got 100 employees, why are your employees not amplifying that content? What's your, what's your social advocacy program, right? Um, let's start there. What's your paid media strategy? <clears throat> you know, I can't tell you how many companies have no real paid media strategy. They got thousands of people come to their website. They're not retargeting those people to stay in front of them. And I mean, all these things that you do start to create, you know, mini fame for your brand with all the right people. 
Right. And I think, you know, at the most basic level, um, it's just getting your content out there and getting all the right people to share it. So it sounds like you're looking to take a lot of what maybe the company's already doing and kind of weaponizing it on, on social. Um, Ooh, and, weaponizing it. I like also, that. Something you said that clicked with me was, um, you know, there's a huge push nowadays because of all the automation for the person-to-person marketing, you know, the P2P marketing, not B2B really anymore. And you mentioned brands that don't really have a brand, and you're talking about having the individual salespeople, marketing people as the kind of the brand army and developing their brand. And I guess it seems like if if the company doesn't have a persona yet, they don't have a brand, but you have your individual people pushing themselves out and with using this, really using this content online, people aren't going to interact with your company like it's a person, like you want to once the brand is developed, but individual people are already people. So when you, when you put the content into their hands versus the unknown brand's hand, it has automatic kind of a uh, stickiness to it. I guess the trust factor is there because you're dealing with a human rather than an unknown brand. Is yeah. that, the, am I on the right path here? Yeah, I mean, you. So there's an art to like to using your people to um, draw to use them as the vehicle to drive people to the brand. So you know, if you interact with somebody and you see them on social media and they share just amazing stuff all the time, right? You're like, every time they share something, you're like, holy crap! Um, I'm gonna I read everything that this person shares because they're just spot on, right? They've just nailed my persona personally and professionally. And so what happens is after a while, you might read three or four articles and you go, what the hell does this person do, right? Who do they work for? And the next thing you know, you're on their website, right? So that's the goal is, you know, and a lot of this starts at the executive level at companies is, you know, your CEO, your VP of sales, your VP of marketing. You know, if you're doing a demand generation program and all you're doing is sharing your upcoming webinar from your brand, which has very little following, and you have your VP of sales and your VP of marketing and your CEO are not sharing the, the upcoming webinar and putting their own take on it and why this is valuable to the people that are in their network, you're an idiot. You're, you're killing yourself, right? I mean, you'll, you'll see this with brands that the brand might drive 50 leads or they might drive 50 signups to a webinar, but the CEO could easily drive 200 by sharing something on LinkedIn and putting their right um, voice on it, right? So... You know, the top-level people really need to make the brand their job, and if you're an unknown brand. Well, look they, at the numbers, right? So I always use this analogy. If you look at Bill Gates, how many millions of followers does he have on Twitter? He has like 100, I, don't, I, I can't even remember what the number is. It's, it's 10x what Microsoft has, right? I mean, um, Richard Branson has 5 to 10x what Virgin Airlines has. Because nobody actually really cares about those brands other than their very loyal customers. But people love the people behind the brand. They want to know what's going on. What are they up to? What good are they doing? What, you know, they want, to, they want to view into the people behind the brand, especially as you create fame. So that's why I say that the new, the new um, way that you build a brand as a startup is you make your CEO famous from the beginning, right? You make him just so full of wisdom and so valuable um, online that the association to the brand over time wins revenue. Right? And right. it's the cheapest, fastest way to fast growth. I think we're a little biased on this podcast because we have three CEOs on here right now, me, you, and Carla Joe. So, yeah, make your CEO famous. I love that idea. No, I mean, I, well, we, you know, <laughs> we talk about all that all the time. No, it's actually really good. It's, it, it's another take. It's, a, it's another 
spin on it. Um, yeah. I'm a, I, I agree with Carla Jill. I agree with you, Jack. I'm 100% in love with but it. But here's another take. Why not make your salespeople famous, right? Yeah, uh, right. You know, what would be better than to have three salespeople that everybody or their mom wants to have a conversation with, right? Because they're the authority expert and they're the one, you know, and this is where I get so confused with brands when I have this conversation. Well, if you, if we, if we put a lot of, if we invest a lot of money in our people and we make them famous, then they're going to leave. Okay, great. But if you don't, good luck driving fast growth. Like you have to be able to figure out how to use the people inside your brand to help you strengthen the brand and the demand, right? Well, people, you know, that's a very real thing, but I have to tell you, people are going to leave, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, you can do everything you can to, you know, lower your turnover and really take care of your human capital, but it's almost foolhardy to not do something because of that. I'll give you an example. There's a lot of brands that we talk to, they go, well, we can't get anybody to, we can't get any traffic to our blogs. Well, okay. A, maybe most likely your, your content sucks, right? You got, you got terrible, you're writing about stuff that nobody gives a shit about, but B, um, Tell us how you really feel, Jack. <laughs> well, I mean, it's every a blog post is just a sales pitch. Here's a new product by it. Here's Tell a new us how you really it. feel. <laughs> I mean, how much content is out there that actually you read and you're like, you actually get something out of it? It's just so yeah. rare. It's so rare. So um, I think what's cool about the digital age and where we're living is that you could take that same blog post and you could you could post that on your CEO's LinkedIn and you could actually say to your, or your salesperson, right? You'll still use a salesperson because I like that better. So your marketing team, your salespeople talk to your marketing department. They say, hey, you know, we keep running into this problem and we have no content around it. And I keep getting this rebuttal over and over and over. And I would love for you guys, can, you know, here's where I think three points are that we could, you could hit on. That's so kick-ass. If, if sales gave that data to marketing, that'd be so kick-ass. Yeah, but even better is they say, okay, well, you, here's the three points, right? I'm going to explain this problem to you because you're probably not in the weeds if you're in marketing, right? You're not on the phone. Um, should be. So you go, okay, can you nail these three points for me? And can you make this sound really articulate and really good? And here's how I want it to go, right? I want it to flow like this. And then marketing comes to you instead of putting it on their blog, guess what? They give it to you and they let you put it on your LinkedIn profile, right? And they, now all of a sudden you're switching your salespeople from just, um, you know, sharing crappy content from your blog. Um, and you know what, now you're going to share better content because it's going to come from your salespeople and it's actually stuff that people care about. Um, and they're going to post it on their LinkedIn and they're going to use that to connect with people and say, Hey, I wrote about this. I know that you guys are kind of going through these same challenges. And now all of a sudden the person goes, wow, this person has authority on the, on the topic. Like I want to have a conversation with this. They're more than just a salesperson at this point. They're actually, um, uh, you know, writing about this. They're fixing a problem. They're putting it on paper. Right. I mean, that's where you start to change the way that people perceive you in sales. I think I have a solution to the issue that was mentioned about, oh, you know, people's fear of investing in building a brand for an individual in their company. Like you're saying, the first thing is don't worry about it. But second, you're also always hiring people. So maybe when you hire, you should look at people who have been building a brand online. Maybe go on LinkedIn when you're hiring instead of just interviewing, go and handpick people and say, okay, who in our space is, is actively talking about the kind of stuff that we want in our brand? And then just offer those people a job. And I, if companies started doing that, I think the people who are active building a brand would suddenly find themselves incredibly uh, sought after. Yeah, well, let's talk about demand generation. So the idea behind demand generation is to get enough attention from all the right people to be able to put them into a lead generation program, right? I mean, demand is like, you know, build brand, build demand, right? So 
um, you know, you're, you're thinking about this as a company and you're going, okay, I have to spend X amount of money to get X amount of attention, right? I mean, in order for us to get in front of all the right people, we have to spend X amount of money. The funny thing is you could go and you could say, okay, and the goal is we want to build more audience. We're building more audience. Every company is spending more money to build a bigger audience of the right people to get more attention from all the right people. And that's essentially building your network as a brand, right? Quote, unquote. So, you know, you can go out and so this is why building a personal brand and, you know, a little off topic is so important for your career because the thing is, they, a company's going to pay a salary anyways, but now they can pay your salary to bring them the audience, right? They already, these people are bringing the audience with them. How much money is that going to save you depending on how, the size of their audience and the right. Right. audience? It's people. like back in the day when you hired salespeople and you hired them based on their, their Rolodex in your industry. Like, okay, they have these connections. We don't even need to look and see if they're good. We know they have these accounts basically that they'll bring with them. They must be good to have those and they're paying for themselves by what they're bringing in the door. So it's not only, in, it's, it's good for the company, but it's, it just brings, you bring value with you everywhere, anywhere you go that way. Yeah. I mean, I've seen employees that have come over and all of a sudden their LinkedIn page um, over a couple months after the employee's there for a while, you know, there's a thousand more likes on the page, right? Like, because they brought a thousand people over that are paying attention to them. And, you know, and these companies couldn't even, it would cost them, they've been paying for those people for a long time. And they've been paying a lot of money. So I think demand as a whole has changed. Demand generation is really understanding how do we, how do we use our people to, to amplify, what, what's a, uh, Try to think of uh, Bill Gates, Bill or um, Warren Buffett's term, compounding, right? Like, <laughs> right. Audience, audience compounds, um, exponentially. And so, yes, and and that all equates in the end. If you have good salespeople and a good marketing structure around retargeting, that always equates to sales conversations, which is the number one thing that we're all begging for in business today. So you're farming basically versus hunting and gathering and in, in, in marketing with the demand generating generation practices um one thing that i wrote down was it, be, it sounds like you're saying that companies need to be creating basically their own gravity kind of where it's not something you're doing one off but it, it keeps building up and then eventually you you generate so much gravity around your brand and your marketing that it starts naturally attracting and sucking everything around it in yeah i mean you know this um, one of the simple things that we look at when we go to a company is we say okay what kind of content are you creating great you're creating blogs you're creating the same blogs that everybody else is creating. They have no real intrinsic, intrinsic value. But guess what? What if our well, your CEO, I asked him three questions on a video on a Zoom. We recorded it. We had got a videographer to just edit it, make it look a little bit more professional than just a, and we put that on LinkedIn. So um, your content has had X amount of views, hundred, you know, maybe let's say a thousand views. Now let's put your CEO up there. All of a sudden he's got a hundred thousand views on a video that took you 10 minutes to shoot. 20 minutes to edit and now he's posted on there and you do that over time and you start to use your CEO to do those simple things, your VPs, all these things. That's the content that people want. That's a demand generation strategy. And the best part is it's free in most cases. Now you should be taking that and doing some paid ads with that retargeting um, your website traffic, retargeting your email address. But this is where demand generation at the core, it all starts with the content. What kind of content you're creating? Most people suck at that. So get your executive team involved. You know, start asking them innovative questions that people are just begging to hear the answer for because these guys are, you know, these guys and gals are obsessed with the industry every single day and they know more about it because they have to because their investors ask them thousands of questions. And these people have to tighten up their business, right? 
Well, those are the people we want to hear from. And if we can get insight into their brains, their minds, their wisdom, um, that's content that sells. And then if we can properly use that content to slowly move them from the CEO over to the brand through a nice um, paid ad strategy, you win. So is there a balance between when you're, when you're doing that content, whether it's salespeople or, or the executives and CEO, um, is there a balance between business-related content, kind of the audiences, what's going to interest the audience business-wise and more personal content? I, I mean, personal content, if you can get your CEO to do personal content, you win even bigger. I mean, um, what do you mean by personal content? So like asking your CEO boxers or briefs, if you want to go back to the nineties or something like that. <laughs> I, mean, I think that'd be hilarious. Would you watch a, would you watch a CEO of uh, Airbnb get asked the question of boxes or briefs? I would. Right. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Like, you know, I think you got, you could have a mix. I mean, I think the more personal that you'll get, you know, and being smart about it, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, with the legality we have these days, right? But I mean, you know, and the other thing is like interviews, coming on and interviewing and getting interviewed by you guys, right? Like you guys are going to do marketing for me. So you guys are essentially going to be another demand generation piece to my business, right? Whether you know it or not, you're going to go, I'm going to come on here, get to talk about myself, which who doesn't want to talk to themselves? Uh, Jack, you know, we're going to market the shit out of it. That's yeah. our tagline. So. And then you guys are going to go market for me. Why don't you get your CEO on some of the top channels where all your buyers live and go get him interviewed or her interviewed by um, all of the, you know, even these niche, niche podcasts. I get on podcasts all the time. I'm on two podcasts today. They're both completely different niches, right? But the thing is, um, I look at that as a demand generation strategy for our company because I get connected to a lot of people through these and my audience exponentially grows every time I do a podcast and it's free yeah. marketing. And then what does it, it cost you an hour of your time to sit and record? I mean, I would yeah. say that this doesn't cost me anything because I actually enjoy it, right? So right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you don't enjoy talking about it, then find another job. But what I don't enjoy is making creating, and creating marketing content just to create marketing content, right? Kind of market, mindless marketing content that's really just a sales pitch or something like that. Yeah. Um, okay, so I want to jump on to, we're, we're talking again just to get back to the subject, simplifying demand generation. Um, we're going we're gonna to need to go to a break real soon. Can you hit a couple tips for people out there on things to make sure they're doing? I think you probably already covered a couple of them, but I just want to bullet point these on stuff to make sure people are doing with their demand generation. Yeah, I think I uh, point. one thing is you, you know, you have to be doing a, a really high end webinar um, every month. So you should be doing some type of webinar that, Why? well, Why webinar variety of reasons. One is because webinars, across the board, convert the highest of any other um, marketing channel or asset, right? Uh -huh. and, and the reason- One a week or one a month? Uh, we, our clients, we say one a, one a month, right? I mean, yeah. doing that is a lot. But you got to be smart about who you have on, right? So you know, there's a strategy around bringing other influencers on um, to talk about a subject, bringing your customers on, um, being able to bring people on that can help you build your list and bring the right people in, right? So webinar is a number one strategy. The other thing is two-minute videos. Um, you should be doing two-minute video clips every week. Um, we have one of our clients, they interview uh, two minutes. Uh, they get other sales reps from other companies, and they just ask them a question, right? They have one question, they just talk for two minutes about how do you fix your how do you cold call? What's your opening line for a cold call, right? I mean, it's simple stuff like that because essentially what they're trying to do is build expertise by through association. So I would say those are the two things. You've got to have a webinar a month. 
you gotta do two minute video clips with your executive team or with your team in general and get other people involved. Um, then, you know, you have to, obviously there's so many other things, but you know, you have to have your email on, you have to have uh, your HubSpot set up, right? Your act on, you've gotta have proper list segmentation and be able to market, uh, build your email list to market to these people. Um, we do one ebook a quarter, typically one guide playbook for each client. They do that per quarter. And then this is just followed up by one blog post a week. Um, every client we, that's the number one thing to say is you got to have at least four pieces of content, one every week that people understand and get delivered through email. And there's just multiple components, but I mean, at the most basic level, those are the things you have to have, right? And then you have to have a full on multi-threaded strategy around paid ads and on all the channels. How are you retargeting your email list? How are you retargeting your website traffic? How are you creating cold lookalike audiences and bringing people that look like your ideal customer back into the mix and feeding the top of the funnel? Right. So do those things. And then on top of that, you, you can't just do them. You actually have to push them out there. You have to, again, back to our tagline, you have to market the shit out of it. You have to actually pay for ads that have those things in them. You have to push it out on social media channels, pay social media to to push them, all that kind of good email marketed out. Yep. Uh, I suppose you do a two minute video, put it on your blog also, repurpose stuff, all that, like really actively create the stuff and then push it out. Like this so, guy, you have to keep, you have to keep, keep a clean database, right? I mean, oh, you yeah. have segment, your messaging has to be on, you have to be A-B testing, your landing pages have to be spot on. I mean, there's a lot of components to some of the most simple things. Most people suck at webinars, maybe not because they can't drive people to the page, but because their landing page sucks so bad that they can't get anybody to convert and they don't even know it, right? Most people aren't even tracking their landing page conversion rate. If it's under 30%, you need to redo it. Excellent. We're going to jump to break right now. When we get back, we'll talk more with uh, Jack Kosakowski on simplifying demand generation. Sales Loft is the leading sales engagement platform helping sales organizations to deliver a better sales experience for their customers. More than 2,000 customers use the company's category-leading sales engagement platform to engage in more relevant, authentic, and sincere ways, including Square, MuleSoft, WeWork, and Dell. For more information on SalesLoft and how to deliver a better sales experience, visit salesloft.com. Welcome back to the If You Market podcast. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy. I've got Carla Jo Helms here with me. And Hi, guys. Jack Kozakowski of Creation Agency. We're talking about demand generation and specifically simplifying demand generation. Jack, uh, let's uh, jump into the second half here. Uh, can you give us maybe you, you gave us some things to do for demand generation in, uh, right before the break there. Can you give us some things to avoid? Um, yeah, I think... I think what what I see with a lot of companies is they're either a lot of them are trying to do too much shiny stuff, right? It's shiny tool stuff. So they're you know they see something like what you know for the like let's just use AI, right? It's like you know okay. wants an AI tool. Oh, let's get you're gonna get Scott on a tangent. <laughs> and and so you know my point is my point is to tell our clients like listen, let's let's get one or two things done and let's do them really really well. And then let's add to that. So I love that. You know, simplify what my you're motto. by campaign, you know, campaign based and, um, you know, add to it as you start to test a bunch of things to see what works the best to drive you the, the highest demand at the lowest cost. And, um, you know, once you figured out a few things, 
like I said, you know, they will change over time. You'll have to optimize things. You know, marketing, what worked yesterday doesn't work tomorrow. But there are certain things that are pretty basic from a marketing perspective that, you know, you need to be doing and you need to do them really well. And if you can't do those, then don't be doing anything else until you've nailed that. Right. So there's some marketing tactics that maybe basics. only I mean, exist because they're new and basics. sexy, right? Yeah, you have, you have your new sexy things that are going to, once the novelty wears out, they're dead. But then you have the tried and true stuff that's there because it works over time. It's actually an effective channel. And uh, try to stay away from the sexy too much and make sure you're doing the staples. I think what he's saying is you have to have foundational groundwork there that's supporting all the new shiny fandangled stuff. If you don't have that, then you're shit out of luck. How about that? Yeah. Most, most, most marketing teams are doing everything okay and nothing well, right? And so they can't um, predict a model of forecast for lead generation. They can't predict, you know, they can't look at a CEO and say, well, you know, um, this is going to generate this amount of leads or, you know, this percentage of leads for us over the next year. And it's going to convert to these numbers because they have so many things going on that they can't even read the data on those. So, yeah. you know, it's just simplifying a few things, doing those really well. And those are usually basic strategies like a webinar, you know, a podcast to drive, it could be a prime example to drive traffic. But I think, you know, at the most basic level too is, if your content strategy is not working, you're doing all the things, you have the content and you're doing all the other things that um, you need to do to what I guys say, build brand, you know, employee advocacy and you're doing paid ads and nothing's happening with your content. It's not converting. Then you got to go back to the basics of what's our content strategy, right? I mean, if our content is not getting us the result that we want, but we're doing all the other things to amplify it. then we have a content problem and a lot of companies have a content problem, including if you look at the bigger, bigger companies, right? All these enterprise companies, the suit, the, uh, the stuffy suit, um, you know, enterprise jargon stuff is like, it's, people just aren't, aren't, aren't reading anymore. They don't, they don't want something that's super crazy technical. You know, very few people do. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's engineers and stuff that that stuff works for, but the average, you know, marketer, the average salesperson, they don't want something that just, and it dates them with more information. They just want something that gives them a little bit of enough wisdom, right? Um, that nobody else is talking about to make a, you know, to make a decision to take action. What do you think about finding that, that young hungry sales guy on the cold call floor, your, your company's Jack and, and that's bugging you to let them, you know, go off and, and do their own thing and, and enabling them just saying, yes, okay, you can do that. Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, my thing is, if you got to hire salespeople, you got to babysit them. You hired the wrong salesperson, right? <laughs> and, and if you have one that's suggesting things they want to do, um, you know, maybe just let them do it. See what happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say let them do it. I mean, you, you know, you have numbers, right? But you got to give salespeople time. You got to let them. You know, I always say this: we all sell. A, we all sell different, and so. You know, I used to be the guy that would come out and say, well, social selling, you know, that's the bee's knees and every salesperson should be doing that. Not, you know, I don't believe in cold calling. I don't cold call because I hate getting cold called, right? Why the hell am I going to do something that I hate getting on the other end? But that doesn't mean that it doesn't work. I, got, I know a lot of people at sales that are, are really good at cold calling and it works well for them. Now, me, not so much. But every, every salesperson's got to be allowed to be able to figure out the, the way that they feel the most comfortable selling and get some the results that they need. And I don't think we allow that in sales today. Um, it's, you're told how to sell. You're not allowed to figure it out on your own. 
That's great. Yeah, that's great. Give your salespeople some, uh, what did you say at the beginning? If you don't trust your salespeople, then you shouldn't have them. You don't babysit them. Well, there's, you know, it's a fine line managing a sales force. It's hard. It's the hardest job in the world. I mean, I, I don't think. I mean, they, uh, you know, I would say, uh, I, don't, I don't really like this term. Maybe I don't know what it is. But, um, you know, with my creative team, my technical people, you know, they just, they have a project. They have their deliverables. They just like to get on with it. But salespeople, it's almost like a little bit of micromanaging. Like they appreciate it. They need it. And maybe that's not even the right term, but it's a very hands-on, <laughs> it's a very hands-on managerial job. Well, I, think they, I think that what you're talking about is they need coaching and if good salespeople want coaching, right? They want to, they want to know what they're doing wrong. And so that as a leader, you, you have to do that. I think, I think the hardest part about managing sales is, people is that sales is a hard job and it's sales is a hard job you know yeah they need to be talked to if something didn't go right they actually need to talk to you when they had a win i mean if they don't like they had a great call and they're not able to talk to their manager it's kind of like pent up you know it's like you gotta be there for them it's you know it's such an unpredictable job right like one day you're on fire the next day you feel like you couldn't close the door right so it's (laughs) It's, you know, there's a lot of emotions that happen and there's, you know, it's just a really tough job. That's why most salespeople suck, right? It was 20% of the salespeople do 80% of the revenue because it's a, there's just, yeah, you know, it's, I've almost said, I know people say you can be trained to be a salesperson, but I, I do believe that some people are just kind of born with, there's, there's something inside of them that allows them to be able to be told no, right? It doesn't bother them or if it does bother them, but they can get right through it or, you know, there's wittiness, you know, there's, I think they have to have a high degree of control, not in a bad way, but they've got to get that prospect through. Well, and it's, I think it's like anything else. I think it's funny because if you look at the best athletes of the world, right. I mean, I look at salespeople as athletes, like the best athletes in the world have trained. Nobody's seen the amount of years that they sucked, you know, maybe got cut from the team and, you know, spent hour, eight hours, well, the best, reading those books, practicing it again, going about figuring out, not quite right, think about it in their own time, come you know, back. How many sure. sales calls does it take to really start to understand how to articulate something in a way that makes people, pers- that's persuasive? I mean, and we don't, we, I don't think we give salespeople enough time. And the thing is, you could even be good at sales, but if you went into a new role at a new company and it's a completely different product and you're trying to figure out the industry, it could take years for you to really catch your stride and um we don't get most companies don't give salespeople the actual time they need and it's a fine line right because salespeople are expensive so it's you know it's just a tough there's no way to hire for it it's the hardest job to hire for it's the hardest thing in a company to coach um and it's you know it's the most rewarding and and the most devastating department and you know <laughs> Pulling it back to the subject matter and demand generation, I suppose, if you can do a good job at the demand generation, do what you were talking about, staying away from shiny things, keeping it simple, you know, doing a couple demand generation tactics um, well, you can really help those salespeople out by filling their pipeline uh, for them where they don't have to do all cold calling. They don't have to, you know, so maybe they have their own stuff they're working on, but if you've got these practices in place, um, they can get up to speed a lot faster because you're feeding them from the demand generation, uh, demand generation funnel. And it makes everybody look better. I think when marketing does a good job. Um, well, I think it's I'm, vital. I think, I think it's vital. I think outbound does not work like it used to. Um, you know, the buyer has the control. We all know that, right? Digital, 
the internet is giving the buyer control. We don't no longer have to call and request a brochure, right? Where the salespeople could control that. So I think it's vital now that you have to create demand for the salespeople. And it's the only way you'll keep somebody, you know, good salespeople are not going to stick around if you just make them hunt and hunt and hunt, especially. Right. Getting back to the, the sports analogy, if you take a quarterback and you put a bad team around them and then you yell at them for getting sacked all the time, like there's not a whole lot you can do if you don't, if you don't have that team support as a, as a salesperson. That's a hundred percent spot on. You guys work uh, the creation agency over there. You work with a lot of fast growth tech companies. I'm sure from that environment, you probably have some good crash and burn stories with demand generation or, um, you know, even things gone wrong when you open up and see what's inside somewhere. Can you, can you share something juicy with us? I mean, you know, <laughs> we want company names. Who did it? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that, was, that was quite the sigh. <laughs> you know, I think, I think the hardest part as an agency is that you, when you care about it, is that you go into a company and you start to really feel like they're your, yours, right? Like you're part of the company, like you're part of the, the executive team and you, you know, you have an idea of what's going to work. Um, and sometimes you know, you say, okay, it worked with this client, these five clients, why won't it work with this client? And I mean, I, you know, I could give you examples of, you know, tons of uh, paid media spend that was just wasted um, and you just feel terrible, right? And then you let, you know, over time you lose the client because, you know, typically you don't have enough time. You don't usually get enough time to really figure it out. But it's even, it's just, it's the failure part, it happens all the time as an agency is you lose clients that you wish you would have never lost because you couldn't get them the results that you thought you could. And right. there was something in their, in their solution that, that you just didn't have the time to figure out. I suppose companies typically give their internal marketing. They're never going to get rid of their internal marketing, but an yeah. agency, they do not give the same leeway. They, they demand results yeah. and they demand them like a salesperson. And sometimes right you make guesses, right? So as an agency, you go, okay, we only have three months. So we can only do so much. So we're going to, we're going to say that this is our best option to get the client, the results that we've promised them we get. It really and is an estimation of effort. You have to, it really is. You go all in on something, right? You go, okay, yeah. we're gonna, this is going to work and it doesn't work. And after three months, you're, you know, you're just, you, you put all your heart and soul into your teams, just beat their head up. They stayed late, you know, stayed up late nights and everybody just put their heart and soul into it. And all of a sudden it fails. The next thing you know is the client says, that's it, right? Your time's up. Um, and, and you, you, it sucks and it's, but it's part of the agency life. You got to get over it. You lose clients, you win, you win clients and you keep them some for a long time and they pay you a lot of money and they love you and other ones, you know, they just, you've tried everything and they hate you and there's nothing you can do about it. I guess that keeps you exciting. You, I mean, there's no guarantee for for agencies. (laughs) The agency complaining hour, ah, problem solving hour. Uh, what was that quote in Mad Men? Know this business working. would be great if it wasn't for the client. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have a thing around here. The client is occasionally right. I think the hard part too is I just fired a client that was a big client, and um, that sucked. I mean, that it, happened. Yeah. I mean, it sucked because it was a lot of revenue, right? But they made one of my project managers cry, and um you know, they just were up throwing up our ass and I just, uh, you know, had enough, right? And I, I, good for you. I love firing clients. Not that I do it very <laughs> often, but it does feel good. <laughs> I mean, 
Yeah, it feels good, but it's just, you know, it's just a hassle because, you know, you, the projections on how you do your labor in the agency world is so tough. And, you know, all of a sudden you just make that rash decision because you have to. And, you know, you got to go find it. You know, you got you to pick up that revenue, especially because this one was a big number, right? Um, that's Let's give you another client, Jack. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Well, uh, we're going to have Jack's on the show notes. So uh, anybody who needs a good uh, agency, reach out to yeah. Jack and see if we can fill that up. <laughs> Jack needs a really good client, you guys. Yeah. No, there's uh, Jack saying there's no guarantees, um, but they will do their best. Jack the Ripper. He just ripped that client out of there. <laughs> I love that concept of letting clients know kind of or, or just putting it out there that there isn't, there are no guarantees. You know, most people tell you, they're trying to sell you. So they're going to say, here's what we're going to do and here's what's going to happen. Like, you're going to get this return. We're going to do SEO for you. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And, you know, you are going to see these results. And you have to know that if it was that easy, you know, everybody would be doing it. If it was that easy, it, it just, there's competition out there and things don't always work and every company's a little different and there's so many things that can go wrong and so many things that can go right that throwing out there to people that, hey, we don't know if this is going to work, but this is our best, you know, this is our educated guess on what's going to work. We're going to do it, and then we'll reset and measure. Yeah. So I think the best clients are the ones that actually work with you. They don't, ab you know, they delegate what you're, you know, they delegate responsibilities to you, but they don't abdicate their responsibility. They work with you as a team because, you know, there could be some internal issues that are inhibiting what you're, hindering what you're doing, Right that if they're not transparent working with you as a team, you would never know Yeah, I think the campaign flopped. I think the reason that we have such a high retention rate, so our, I, I asked my COO the other day, like, give me, go through our numbers in the last three and a half years, what's our retention rate? So we keep 80% of our clients for over a year, right? And um, for an agency, that's really good. That's really good, right? I think we have right now about 24 clients in the US um, and in the UK or Europe globally, we have about 60. Um, so we lose clients, but the ones that we, we deepen the relationship with, and I mean, these are people that I like consider friends now, right? I mean, there's pretty, most of our clients, I mean, you know, they'll call me on their worst days and their best days. And sometimes they'll cuss at me and we have a good enough relationship where I'm like, okay, I just know you're having a bad day. You're getting your ass kicked up top, but we have such a good relationship. But I think, you know, most agencies, especially their CEOs, they're not in the weeds with the people. They just kind of like, you know, me, I like to be in the weeds. Sometimes I'm too much. But I want to know, like, I, like I've told my clients, like, as long as you're respectful about it, like, you know, we'll feel your pain and we want to feel your pain because we want to help you fix your pain, right? Now, to a certain extent, you know, some of them take advantage of that. But, but you know, the good clients that you have in, in an agency, it's, it's, there's nothing stronger than the relationship. It's even better more than the outcomes, right? I mean, you can make a client $10,000 and they'll leave you because somebody else told them they'll make you twenty. But you can make a client 1000 but they won't leave you because they know that they could go somewhere else for 20, but their relationship with you is they don't want to deal with anybody else because they love working with you. Right. So yeah. you, gotta, you gotta really, you want to, if you want to run an agency, um, especially if you're going to work on the demand gen side is you have to give a shit more than everybody else times like 100. And if you don't like you will fail, most agencies fail because of that simple fact. Right. Right. So the word out, if you're looking for a good agency, reach out to Jack, but if you're going to try to take advantage of him, he will fire you. <laughs> I'll fire you, but I'll fire back at you if that makes sense. Call Jack. Yep. 
And you can cuss at Jack, just don't cuss at his employees, because then you're you're also gone. <laughs> Actually, that's a funny thing. That's a rule I have with my. I have two. I have a couple of employees. They know. Like, you're gonna cuss. You call me, and if you want to be an asshole, you can call me and be an asshole anytime. You you're paying that, but don't not do it to one of my employees. <laughs> that's a. I like that. That's a great rule. Um. So I have one last question. We have we have a little bit of time here, Carla Joe. If you have one more, get that seated. Um. I'm gonna ask my last question here for Jack. You can ask. How much time should the sales, the marketing, an individual spend on building their brand, on developing demand generation with, uh, you know, posting the company social, that kind of stuff, versus their traditional activities? Um, I mean, you know, I always tell people, because I do training on this once in a while, and I always say to salespeople, you know, you're on LinkedIn all day, you're on Facebook all day, whether you want to admit it or not. You know, are you doing something that's going to help you create more sales conversations? or just waste more time. And, um, you know, so you really got to understand and kind of evaluate how much time you're on social, um, how much time you're, you know, you're reading content and consuming content versus creating content, right? I mean, I, I can't tell you many people are like, oh, I read two, two hours of articles a day. Okay, well, what if you wrote for 30 minutes of the day um, and you read for an hour and a half? We just cut that time. So it's really understanding where you spend your time um, and then dissecting how can you, you know, how much of that time could you use towards an actual strategy that would help you build your brand and create more sales conversations if you're in sales, right? And, you know, it's kind of a case-by-case -case basis. It's really hard to say, you know. Uh, and I guess, if, I mean, with individuals, if you want to be successful, your boss may allow you to read, you know, an hour's worth of content on, uh, on social media, and you may be able to get away with spending half of that watching cat videos without them knowing but that's not going to drive you to success. Like it's, you're kind of, your, your job, your life, your success is in your own hands. And if you decide to take advantage um, of, of the ability to build yourself up, of the ability to do your own demand generation, you're just not going to get the returns on it. Then. Well, I tell people this, if you're a short-term sales rep, or you're a long-term sales rep, right? If you're, if you're a young sales rep, you're a millennial, you're um, you know, early baby boomer, you Say, okay, do you want to beg people for business the rest of your life? Do you want to have to call and interrupt somebody's day? Do you want to have to, you know, always be chasing people through the leads? Or do you want people to say, shit, who's that guy? Who's that gal? I want to have a conversation with them because they know their stuff. And do you want to have a lot of those in your career? Do you want to be 40 years old um, and your phone's ringing off the hook and you go out and do your own thing because you have so much demand. People just want your time. They want your brain. Um, well, it's up to you because look at Tony Robbins, right? Tony Robbins is a normal dude, right? That figured out how to use his, use um, communication, right? And PR, right? What used to be PR, now it's, you know, just anybody can do it, right? PR is like a completely different ballgame because we control PR now. Um, and that could be that you just started your own podcast. You're 23 years old. Say, okay, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm just going to reach out to people on LinkedIn that I think are just really smart and are running cool companies. I'm just going to interview them. Imagine if you were 23 and you started a podcast and you right. did it time and you just call, you just reached out to CEOs and startup companies that you respected. And believe it or not, believe it or not, a lot of them will take an interview with you. Right. Because, yeah, they will. And, and you just said, I'm going to do the young millennials mindset podcast. Right. And you just interviewed and interviewed and, and there's, and let me tell you, you guys know this, there's tons of millennials that are doing this strategy and now we're making seven figures um, at 30 years old because they had a big enough network 
where they figured out how to scale their their time and not the right attention. Um, I like um, that concept for a millennials podcast where the millennial says, I'm going to interview the CEO, but I'm going to let the interview, the CEO ask a millennial a question <laughs> because they probably want to get in touch with like, okay, I don't understand this about you guys. Why do you do this? Or what's the thought with that? Or what, why should I do here? Um, so you'd be inter interviewing the, um, the CEO, but they would also be able to pick your brain as a millennial. All right. Some millennial, I'm, I'm not in the, in the group, but some millennial jump on that. Yeah, I mean, the, the world we live in is your oyster, so you can decide what you want to do with it. And I can tell you that uh, you look at these guys, Lewis Holmes, right? I mean, um, all, you know, of course, yeah, the semi-successful business, but that guy wasn't doing much before he started becoming an online influencer through his content, right, which is a podcast. I mean, some of these people are making ridiculous money, and all they're doing is leveraging, you know, other people and the other people's wisdom in the beginning to kind of jumpstart their own careers as a solopreneur, entrepreneur, you know, or working at bigger companies, however you want to do it. But there's, you just got to be really smart and hungry. Well, awesome. that's all part of demand generation, isn't it? Smart and hungry. Smart and hungry. Smart and hungry. Smart and hungry. Get out there and do it. Uh, Carla Joe, any last questions before we sign off here with, uh, with Jack? I think if you demand the shit out of it, they will come. <laughs> if you demand the shit out, they will come. I like that. We'll uh, we'll see if we can uh, tweak the uh, the sign off here. All right, Jack. People can find you. I think uh, creationagency.com, skillslab.io, jackkosakowski.com. We'll put all those on the show notes. Anywhere else you want people to to be able to find you? No, but I would say skillslab.io is our our media company. So um, we have tons of like how to do stuff on there. So that was kind of our main objective as an agency was, you know, my business partner, I said, let's just give away everything that we know, right? Like we'll just give everything, every, everybody, everything we know, and we'll put it on a website where people can just suck our brains for free. Sounds like good content. All right. And then I'm sure people can find you on uh, LinkedIn. As always, you just put in the name and the person comes up pretty easily and uh, same, same with Twitter. So check out Jack um, on those platforms as well. You can follow him there. Uh, you can find the show notes for this episode on ifyoumarket.com. And also, please share us on social media. Tell your friends. Um, take people's phones and subscribe to our podcast. All that kind of good stuff really helps to get the word out. And on behalf of Carla Jo Helms, the If You Market team, and Jack Kosakowski of Creation Agency, thank you for listening. And what was the uh, what was the tagline you had there, Carla Jo? Demand the shit out of it. They will come. <laughs> if you demand the shit out of it, they will come. All right, thanks, Jack. Great having you on. All right, guys, thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.